and welcome back to the One Take Show. In this episode, we are in conversation with Mr. Chaitanya Ramachandran. Sir is Senior Legal Counsel for Asia-Pacific Region of Twitter and he has also worked in multiple jurisdictions across the world. In this episode, he talks about his experience of working in those multiple jurisdictions and then he talks about the conceptual understanding of technology law, what are the essential characteristics of technology law, what are the areas that are covered under technology law, what are the skills that are needed by any fresh aspirant entering into this world of technology law and how we as law students can acquire those skills. This is a really wonderful episode and I've had so much fun having this conversation with him and I truly believe that anyone who listens to this entire conversation will really add a lot of value into their own life from this conversation itself. So if you like this episode, make sure you like, share and subscribe to the channel. If you have any suggestions or feedbacks, write them down in the comment section. I would love to read them. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, this is Kaustub Srivastav. Let's start the podcast. Welcome to the One Take Show. I am truly honored and so excited to have this opportunity to speak with you. Uh, I personally have been following your footsteps. I've been reading more and more about you as I researched for this episode. And I have been mind blown also to understand that there are so many opportunities and there are so many achievements that students like me and the ones who are going to watch this episode can actually look up to and try and follow. Thank you so much for this amazing opportunity and sitting down with me for this conversation. Well, thanks for inviting me, Kostub, and it's a pleasure and a privilege to be on your show. Thank you, sir. And as I speak about your experience in itself is so enriching. Just reading about it is so enriching. I can only wonder when uh, the viewers can actually hear about it from your own words. It would be so much, there would be so much value that would be added. So could you please tell me a little bit about your experience as in how and what inspired you to get into law? What was the experience initial stages and how the things went about? Sure. No, I'm very happy to speak about that. Uh, I've always been very interested in technology uh, from a very early age. So for the longest time when I was in school, uh, I was actually interested in uh, becoming uh, and in getting into technology, you know, either by becoming an engineer or doing something else that's in a technical field. But uh, as I got into senior school, so the ninth, 10th standard, uh, you know, I started uh, uh, learning more about the reality of uh, the process of studying engineering in India and, right. uh, you know, the, the entrance exams and how uh, not only competitive, but also, you know, how much uh, luck seemed to be a factor mm-hmm. in, uh, you know, getting, getting in, into a good engineering college. And uh, th- this was around, I would say, the ninth and 10th standard. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Around the same time, I had started becoming uh, interested in perhaps not law strictly, but certainly law and policy issues. Uh, you know, my uh, 10th standard is when uh, 9-11 happened. Um, and okay. soon after that, uh, you know, we had uh, controversial laws uh, mm-hmm. being enacted in India at the time. I remember the most uh, notable one from that period was the first the prevention of terrorism ordinance, right. uh, which okay. then became the Prevention of Terrorism Act. Right. And 
of course that that act was uh, you know uh, a short lived one fortunately but uh, at the time i remember uh, you know in in my generation uh, it was the it seemed to be the first law which had direct and uh, you know uh, very significant potential consequences for civil liberties Mm-hmm. Uh, of course to my parents i've heard about uh, you know in in their generation uh, you know the equivalent laws during the during the 70s and so on but i think for our generation uh, certainly for me i think that uh, the prevention of terrorism act was the first time that i uh, you know as as a school student i i started understanding you know the power of the state and uh, you know how how we as citizens need to educate ourselves about developments like uh, you know like acts like that uh, um and so i think that was my first sort of the first time that i uh, originally became interested in legal issues i remember that very clearly i am actually from a legal background both of my parents are uh, litigating lawyers okay so, uh, so you know i did have the benefit of uh, you know my parents being uh, mm-hmm. uh, sources of inf- uh, you know information about what the profession actually entails mm-hmm. uh, but despite the fact that i'm from a legal background i've actually never really mm-hmm. uh, been inclined towards getting into litigation myself right. uh, so uh, you know I, except for a few internships that i did uh, and uh, you know uh, uh, just here and there being involved in litigation b- before i joined twitter now at twitter i am definitely uh, you know uh, much more involved in litigation of course i don't appear but i i manage our uh, our litigation uh, portfolio um so being from a legal background was helpful in the sense that you know when i when i started becoming interested in this career path i had my parents you know uh, ready to you know share all all of their experience and um, their journeys uh, even though i wasn't necessarily going to take the exact same path uh, as them uh, so yeah so that's that's how i would i originally became interested in law and then i started reading up about the law entrance exams uh when i was in school uh, there were still uh, individual entrance exams for each law school uh so i ended up writing quite a few entrance exams uh you know for 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 the law schools and i was lucky enough to get in and uh i uh, you know uh, i got into nls bangalore and uh, and that's how i embarked on the path of becoming a lawyer right and it must be a really interesting choice because there is always a tendency to uh, if, uh, if we are a second generation or a third generation uh, lawyer especially coming from litigation background there is always a tendency of joining the litigation chamber itself but you've made a very particular choice of moving towards technology law as you say you were always in love with technology but then you've decided to work in multiple jurisdictions you have an experience uh, encompassing multiple jurisdictions what was that experience like uh, when it comes to the professional front and the personal front as well sure so i actually began my career uh, in the uk so i graduated from a law school in india uh, but my first uh, job was overseas in london with uh, a big uk law firm and uh, you know looking back at it uh, honestly my my main motivation was much more personal than professional okay uh, you know i i never lived overseas uh, and mm-hmm. you know grew up completely in india did my uh, studies in india mm-hmm. and uh, i was very very keen uh, to experience what it's like living overseas mm-hmm. what is the what is the world like you know uh, outside india mm-hmm. i wasn't very exposed uh, you know to anything beyond india uh, at, at at that point when i when i graduated from my uh, 
from my uh, uh, undergrad law degree. uh so uh, i was fortunate that i had this you know great opportunity to start my career overseas mm-hmm. um and um so that that was a great experience and so not only did i get the chance to work in in london um i also got the chance to do an overseas secondment uh, to brazil now brazil is a country that you know i've always had a very deep personal interest in um i'm uh, you know very very much into music that's my okay. my first love uh, you know music is okay. my first love and uh, when i was studying uh, law uh, mm-hmm. i i discovered brazilian music and uh, you know I, that was the soundtrack to you know two or three years of my law school career was i just really got very deep into brazilian music uh, and of course you know uh, growing up watching football you know you, you everyone knows the brazil football team so it's a very iconic country uh, you know uh, from a popular popular culture standpoint so i was very, always very deeply interested in brazil so when i was uh, when i started my uh, my first job um, in london you know, one of my very very key goals was i want to get the chance to go to brazil on secondment i was interested in going anywhere else and mind you these big law firms have offices everywhere across the world but i had a single minded focus that i just wanted to go to brazil and i was fortunate that i got the chance to to go there for 6 months and i i loved Uh, you know every minute of that experience and of course i loved uh, i loved the london part of my experience as well it it was uh, i i got everything i wanted in terms of uh, you know seeing the world uh, going overseas traveling a lot you know doing a lot of personal travel whenever the opportunity came up working at a law firm is very busy as you know so uh, but whenever i got the chance uh, you know i i was i traveled overseas as all other different countries so on the personal front that was a very very fulfilling experience uh looking back you know on the on the on the professional front perhaps it was less fulfilling because uh i worked in a law firm which was very much specialized in banking and financial services which is something that i i, I was not passionate about you know I, i wasn't passionate about the industry uh mm-hmm. the work wasn't always something that i found interesting okay um now let me caveat that by saying the way that london law firm structure your two year training contract which is what i did mm-hmm. i did a two year training contract um every six months you rotate through different practice areas so in two years you complete a okay. total of four practice areas now in my case one of those six month blocks mm-hmm. was taken up by my secondment which was my priority number one okay um but um, other than that i got the chance to work in of course banking and finance mm-hmm. uh, banking and finance related um, uh, one one of the practice teams that focuses on that uh i also did uh, uh communications media and technology which is i think the closest experience i had to what i'm currently doing uh in that in that first job that i had although of course qualitatively it was quite different uh it wasn't the kind i wasn't dealing with the kind of legal issues that you know uh, a company like like twitter deals with it was very very different from what i'm doing right now but thematically i think that is the closest i got to doing something technology related in my first job and i also did uh, six months in real estate now it wasn't my first choice uh, okay. you know you have to give them your yeah. list of preferences so real yeah. estate i had given i think as my third or fourth basically my last or second last okay. preference okay and it wasn't something that i was keen to do you know when i got my uh, when i found out what, where i was going next and i saw real estate my first reaction mm-hmm. was was of disappointment um okay. but having said mm-hmm. that uh, i think out of except for my secondment uh, 
I think that is the seat that I probably enjoyed the most, and I wasn't expecting to enjoy it at all. Uh, commercial mm-hmm. real estate is something that I didn't know anything about. I didn't know what I was getting into. I didn't know what the day-to-day work would be like. I was given it, you know, frankly, even though it was my last choice. But I went in with an open mind, and I actually really, really enjoyed the practice. I haven't actually worked in real estate after that six-month period, but but it was, you know, it was an eye-opening experience for me. Something that I wasn't expecting to be interested in. Something I'd never read up about, or you know. Uh, been interested in as an area of practice i actually ended up enjoying it quite well so that was you know a fortunate um, uh, mm-hmm. a happy uh, you know uh, uh, serendipitous i would say uh, exp- uh, piece of work experience that i had mm-hmm. uh, and um, so that's how i you know spent my 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 first job mm-hmm. basically my my uh, training contract uh, but the reality is that you know all along my mm-hmm. heart had been in technology and when i say my heart has always been in technology i'm going back to when i was Mm-hmm. you know a, a young child uh, so that never left and when i was uh, doing my uh, my undergrad law degree i had become interested in law and technology issues and you know back then the mid 2000s you know uh, open source was uh, you know hot button top- topic for lawyers who were interested in uh, technology uh, so that's that's how i initially that was my initial uh, you know the way i dipped my toes into the area of law and technology uh the other thing that happened in nls which uh, i was very fortunate to be a part of is that we started a law and technology journal which is still going strong the indian journal of law and technology ijlt so i served on the uh, editorial board of uh, ijlt for i think 3 years in total and my last year i was the chief editor of the journal as well so that was another way that uh, i was able to get exposure to the contemporary scholarship in uh, law and technology issues so this focus on technology is something that i'd always maintained and as i said in my in my first job as well i did a six month rotation in uh, communications media and technology so it was always there but i wanted to really really dive into it head first and mm-hmm. uh, again when i was you know when i was doing my undergrad my uh, i i started reading up about llm programs and um, especially the llm program that i ended up getting admitted into which is the law science and technology program at stanford law school um which you know these these are all coincidences it had a minimum work experience requirement of 2 years so uh, you had to have a minimum of 2 years work experience to get into the the law, law science and technology uh, llm program at stanford mm-hmm. and it so happened that my training contract was exactly 2 years long wow. so i did that and uh, it gave me the minimum uh, uh, amount of work experience that i needed to get into this program mm-hmm. so i applied when i was in my uh, a uh, third or fourth seat and and I was lucky enough to get admission to uh, to the LLM program that was my number one choice okay uh, and that is that that is when I I say that my career really started mm-hmm. uh, that's when I you know finally was able to full time only work on well first study and then work on mm-hmm. what I what I've been wanting to do all along which is uh, legal practice in the in the in the in the technology industry exactly right right I mean, there is so much to unpack from just this segment of this conversation. I think this could be uh, a proper, proper episode for this podcast. But I'm really sorry, I got fixated on Brazilian football, and I think if I just delve into that, this entire episode <laughs> would get derailed. <laughs> But surely, I would hope that we have a conversation on the real Ronaldo issue that we have. Uh, either way, sir, the uh, the question now here is that you finally found your love. 
with technology law and then you've discovered the the uh, the various aspects and the unlimited opportunities that are now available and now that you have achieved so much but when it comes to the conceptual understanding of this particular field uh, so a certain sense of specialization that is involved what how would you conceptualize technology law and uh, this entire field and what all is it that it encapsulates overall yeah yeah so i i honest it's a great question i i my own view on this is that the term itself has been you know diluted over time to and you know in this in 2021 you know technology law doesn't really mean anything very specific anymore i mean uh you have people who within the broad sort of uh, you know technology the broad heading of technology are super specialized in uh you know it could be it could be telecom it could be you know social media issues the kind of issues that i deal with it could be something in life sciences uh you know it could be something in emerging technologies like um electric vehicles um it could be purely technological developments like there are all these new uh, you know emerging technologies uh, cryptocurrency um so technology law now i i feel does by itself the term really doesn't tell you very much uh so you're absolutely right that you know it it's it sounds like a specialization but when you actually examine it closely it's just a very broad catch all term for a huge number of sub specializations uh, that have emerged over the last decade or so uh so for students who are interested in getting into the technology industry they will also need to think about which specific part of the technology industry that they're interested in because it's a universe unto itself you know just like financial services now there's it's such a diverse right. field mm-hmm. so technology i would say now is is more or less the same in terms of there being so many different sub specializations that mm-hmm. you can build a you can you can you can build a you know decades long legal career in any one of these so the 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 decision is a very difficult decision because there are so many different paths that you can take so you need to think about what you're most passionate about you know what 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 is the what is the area of technology that that captures your own imagination that where do you see the where do you see the future of the world uh, going in what direction and what technologies do you think are going to shape the direction that the future of the world takes you know for someone it, it could be uh, genomics for someone it could be uh, electric vehicles for someone it could be an internet based technology so you know so you i think for this for students who are getting into technology in the in the, the technology industry now uh, and you know law students in particular um, it's a uh, it's there's no better time to be thinking about entering the industry now because the choices you have are so much more than uh, at any time right. before including when when i started my career Mm-hmm. right right because you absolutely right uh, technology law as it seems to us from a very limited perspective obviously is that it's it's so huge and there are so many aspects involved in this uh, we often wonder like when it comes to the essential uh, characteristics or the level of expertise that is required do we just try and uh, try and learn more and more about ipr or do we learn more and more about ai or is it any other particular issue so on a general note for any student who's trying to uh, build an acumen for technology law or trying to have a better upscaling for technology law what are those essential characteristics that you would suggest that we should work on in order to become better at technology law or a better candidate for technology law got it so i you know speaking from my own perspective and my own work profile uh my 
uh, my my view on this is that number one uh, don't neglect any uh, area of 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 studies because at some level or the other general skills are are very relevant and very necessary so for example uh, i said i've never really done much litigation uh, you know i did a, i did a few internships in uh, in um, law school but that was about it uh, and yet when i joined twitter i suddenly found myself with a big you know litigation portfolio that i had to manage so i had to learn how to do that very quickly so don't neglect anything specifically uh, we all have our likes and dislikes uh, i was very passionate in uh, in law school about uh, intellectual property Uh, I also had a lot of subjects that I didn't care for at all. Family law was my uh, weakest subject and the subject that I hated the most. Uh, I'm fortunate that I haven't had to deal too much with family law issues, uh, you know, in 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 my career. Uh, but uh, you know, other than very very spe- specific areas which uh, you know you may not think are very relevant, I think generally pay attention to whatever you're learning. I think the fact that in the five-year law degree uh, there are so many compulsory courses, it's a blessing and a curse it's a curse because you do end up having to study things that you're not very interested in and many of those areas may eventually not be very relevant to um, to your uh, career path but but having said that be as engaged as possible absorb as much information as you can you are you know in a very fortunate position of being able to study so many different legal sub disciplines so it's you should make the most of it and uh, not neglect anything uh, uh, you know uh, because you're not you don't find it that that interesting right. uh now coming more specifically to uh, technology there aren't that many compulsory courses that i remember mm-hmm. being directly relevant mm-hmm. uh, intellectual property is definitely one it's a very very important foundational subject so right. i think that's something that every law student will have the chance to study and mm-hmm. you must if you're interested in technology you must take that chance because that is relevant in in all the different technological disciplines mm-hmm. um beyond that uh, i think depending on which law school you are attending uh, you know when when it comes time to do, to choose your elective courses in in my case it was the fifth year i guess it's still the same that fifth year is, is primarily where the electives have, your elect, your credit for credit electives mm-hmm. happen but yes. even before that you know we used to have one credit courses that were open mm-hmm. to students even below 50 year so i think that is really when you get the chance to uh, you know study something that's very very specific mm-hmm. um and it does depend on what electives are being offered what one credit type courses are being offered mm-hmm. you know other kinds of optional courses that are being offered but uh, you know keep your ear to the ground and you know whenever a course is offered that you think is relevant to your specific interest in technology that's definitely some a, a great learning opportunity and it's something that you should take with both hands um the other thing that you know i personally benefited a lot from was uh, research and writing uh, experience as i said i was on okay. uh, law and technology mm-hmm. journal but in addition to that i also did uh, you know as much writing as i could uh, on uh, the technological issues of the day when i was a law student and tried to get as much of my work published as possible so i think research and writing is another and that's completely in your own hands you don't have to be mm-hmm. you don't have you're not dependent on uh, a specific course being offered that's totally up to you right think about interesting legal issues um identify you know journals where you can potentially have your work published and then whenever you have free time work on articles analyzing some original um you know aspect um that hasn't ideally that hasn't been worked on at all before and so so you have something new to contribute you have something new and fresh to say 
uh, and that's that's something that uh, you know you can you can start doing that uh, you know pretty early on in your law school career uh, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even in your first year but certainly second third year onwards that's that's definitely a possibility mm-hmm. and i i benefited a lot from that myself so mm-hmm. i would encourage anyone else uh, you know who's interested in technology to focus on research and writing as well absolutely and i truly believe that there is a trend uh, or sort of an awareness that is going around especially what i uh, witnessed on linkedin uh, to say the least is there are a lot of technology law journals and technology law blogs that are dedicated to this discipline particularly and which are surfacing more and more as we speak so uh, but again there is one particular fear or sort of a reservation that uh, law students would face is that technology law in itself sounds very exclusive and there is there is one fear that we might not be equipped with the skills required to excel in technology law as in should we be aware of the science or the scientific facts or should we have a scientific background or should we have a technological background or if i'm a if i'm a humanities student would i be able to understand technology law or not so is there any particular set of skills that law students in general can master in order to become better receptive of technology law this is a great question it's uh, it's something that i have also encountered uh, in my in my own career um in india i think we uh, we have the disadvantage that we are basically at, at age 18 we are taking a a pretty significant decision about our career path right mm-hmm. at at 17 18 when you're getting out of school you are choosing to study law as an undergraduate degree uh, of course i'm i'm not trying to discount the three year law degrees which are still very much around but uh, you know these days the you know five year degree is the is is i guess the the yeah. one that most students are, are studying yes uh, so you you are taking that decision and there's an opportunity cost in that decision because by saying that i'm going to study law from age 18 onwards you are foregoing the opportunity to study you know other other things including technical things including computer science or at, at an undergraduate level uh, you know in engineering biology uh, you know there's so many other fields that we are giving up in order to study law uh so that that is that's just i think that that is a structural uh fact uh, there's not too much that we can do about that because that is how legal education works um but uh you can certainly you know that being the case there are many things mm-hmm. that you can do to uh you know in, improve your technical knowledge you know these days thanks to coursera mm-hmm. and all the other websites you can study so many you can you can learn coding uh, you know uh, mm-hmm. on the weekends uh, you know right. weeknights so there are a lot of opportunities to to study uh, you know non legal subjects even while you're pursuing your law degree even while you're uh, you know working so that's def- that's definitely something that that you should explore if you're so inclined um but coming back to your or the, the question as you framed it uh, the reality is that i personally don't think that you need to have a technical background okay in order to be a technology lawyer i think familiarity with technology certainly helps mm-hmm. i think if you can pick up technical skills along the way you can learn some basic coding these are going to be huge huge advantages so you should definitely pursue these options mm-hmm. uh, if you have the opportunity to do so but are they necessary no i don't think that these things are necessary Mm-hmm. when i was uh, when i was uh, studying for my masters right at stanford i had a great professor called uh, professor rob merges um okay and uh, and he taught patent law okay um 
and one of the one of the first things he told us in you know one of the introductory probably the first class that we had with him uh, uh, on on patent law he said you know uh, people come up to me and say do you have to be an engineer in order to be a good patent lawyer and he said the reality is you don't have to be an engineer you don't have to have a technical you know, technical training at all uh what you do need to have is an open mind and a willingness to figure things out those are you know much greater uh, determinants of uh, becoming a successful patent lawyer rather than having a technical background and you know i find myself going back to this advice not just i mean i i'm i not just in the in the context of patents but uh uh whenever i'm confronted with a new kind of legal issue that i don't have experience working with or uh, i don't have uh, you know something that's coming to me for the first time i always i always go back to this you know if you can come if you can approach this with an open mind a willingness to figure things out then uh, you know you can eventually your legal training should help you to uh, you know uh, not not only figure the issue out from a practical perspective but also ultimately give legal advice on that issue which is what we are which is how we are now living basically right right and that is so inspiring on so many levels because when i started this podcast i had absolutely no idea of uh, the distributorship and this is a very very stupid sort of a novice example that i'm quoting here is because i have no i had no idea how to uh, get on a website or have your distribution or anything but as in like as in when i studied more and more about it research more about it it's really not that complicated but it's it's the effort as you say it is the willingness to acquire the information and the open mindedness that is required which is absolutely true i think this is something that i also need to apply for myself i'll be going through this conversation again to hear that quote again and perhaps apply that as much as i can but uh, as a part of my last set of questions uh, for you sir is obviously about your current position as uh, as a senior legal counsel working for twitter what exactly is your experience like what are the various areas in technology law and litigation that you have to face and you have to uh, work with and how is this uh this sort of adding to your professional front on uh, what advice would you give to the fresh aspirants who are trying to follow your footsteps sure so twitter is um, a relatively small company uh you know certainly relative to our peer companies um uh in uh, the social media space uh we are quite small and so being a lawyer at twitter what that means is that i am i do end up being a, a generalist uh so uh when i first joined the company um uh, you know my portfolio consisted of you know i i would say i spent maybe one third of my time on litigation right um i spent uh one third of my time on uh, commercial uh, legal issues so uh you know twitter is um uh not not only is it um, a social media platform where users interact with each other but it's also an advertising platform where advertisers serve ads to those users so the commercial part of my work uh you know focuses on supporting our commercial business which uh, primarily includes ads but there are many other uh, you know business lines that i support uh, what does that mean it means that i participate in the drafting and negotiating of contracts for all of our different business lines and then one third i think is the remaining one third is a grab bag it could be anything you know one day you could have to deal with an hr issue one day you could have to deal with uh, you know a new product that has uh, privacy data protection implications uh, you may have to deal, you have to deal with intellectual property issues quite regularly 
so uh, you have, this is where I, you know i i keep saying that you, you have to be prepared for anything you you never know what's going to cross your desk you never know what email you're going to get you never mm-hmm. know what slack message you're going to get and you'll be expected to give legal meaningful actionable legal advice on something that you wouldn't have predicted when you woke up that morning so i think that that open mindedness and uh, you know just willingness to read things try and understand them do some more research talk to people you know who know the who know the product or the technology better than you and synthesize all of that and come up with with uh, meaningful actionable uh, well grounded legal advice uh, that's i think that's the the skill that for for someone in my uh with my job profile i'm always working towards being better at this at this skill you know just synthesizing information and uh, you know the the law is always far behind technology like law moves at a glacial pace compared to technology so okay. the other thing you have to contend with is that mm-hmm. fine you understood the product you understood the problem but the law is still uh, you're, you're still looking at a 15 20 euro lack in the yeah. best case i mean in the worst right. case you may be looking at uh, an act that's more that's more than 100 years old you that 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 also right. happens to me mm-hmm. um but then you have to figure out <laughs> you know where uh, how you can extrapolate what the law says and how does it apply to the te- the technology that you're looking at now the indian telegraph act of 1885 there was no twitter there was no internet in in 1885 right. but it it's still a law on the books so how do you apply the concepts that are are laid out in that law to the technology that in front of you which is the 21st century technology so this is all very general uh, you know i'm 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 keeping it very abstract but uh, you know the re- the reality is that you you this is this is daily life as as a lawyer in a in a technology company um you do have to figure out how your product fits within existing law and the existing law may not contemplate your product at all uh so so getting better at figuring that process out is is what i'm always working towards and one difference between and uh, you know i i i i before this role i was in private practice and i think one big difference between private practice and you know working in outside a company is uh, when you're in private practice you can actually afford to hedge your advice quite a lot you can put in a lot of assumptions you can put in a lot of qualifications uh you can put in a lot of it depends but uh, you know as an in-house lawyer you, you don't have that luxury ultimately you have to take a decision and then you have to stand by that decision because you're responsible for it uh so uh you know that's that that broadly i would say is what i see as the important skill set to uh, and you you're never going to you know you're never going to sit back and say okay this is it's done i've learned everything i've mastered it you're never going to master it but you should always try and um, and this applies to myself as much as anyone else I'll always try and you know make sure that every day you learn a little bit more than what you knew the previous day uh you you know you become a little bit more uh, you improve your communication uh you know know your product better every day uh know your company better every day uh and just always try and work towards improving constantly day by day i think that is absolutely wonderful so to know more about this role that not a lot of law students are actually aware of or perhaps uh this is not a conversation that we have 
uh, quite regularly. Obviously, we have a lot of conversations about disputes and this and that. And obviously, there are various legal fields that we are open to having conversations about. But this is for me on this podcast, the first time I'm having a conversation about technology law and someone who's working with technology law in an in-house role, working for a company like Twitter. And to know from your own personal experience, how is it like and how the evolution really works for a lawyer. It was truly, truly wonderful. Honestly, I am truly grateful for this opportunity. So before we wrap this conversation up, do you have any closing remarks for our viewers? Uh, in terms of closing remarks, uh, I personally want to thank you for inviting me on the show. I also greatly enjoyed this conversation. It's a real privilege to be on your show. Uh, okay. And I think it's a great idea that you're doing this. You're having these conversations with practitioners in in different fields um, so it's it's a wonderful project and i wish you you know every success going forward with this project um, thank you and uh, for users uh, for for your uh, subscribers uh, viewers who may be uh, you know interested in learning more uh, mm -hmm. you know you can follow me on twitter uh, you can reach out to me on linkedin if you have any questions uh, and uh, you know similarly if you're interested in some other uh, technological subfield, uh, do try and see if you can find individuals online who are working in the area that you're interested in, uh, you know, reach out to them. Um, and, you know, uh, hopefully, many of them will be willing to, uh, to share their experience and their expertise. Uh, and, and, and that's it. So, so thanks for having me on the show, Kostab. It's, it's, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was truly an honor, in fact, and I'm looking forward to speaking with you as soon as possible again. Thank you so much.